On this prequel episode, we've got our Fifty Shades Darker fan poll follow-up. We're learning about the body swap trope and previewing Freaky Friday. Hello, and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's another prequel episode, and it's a Fifty Shades Darker pre- Well, it's not a prequel episode for that, but... We're talking about it. That is the bulk. So we got lots of feedback <laughs> was my point. So we're going to get right into it with our patron shout outs. I put up with you because your father and mother were our finest patrons. That's why. We have two new patrons this week. First up at the $5 Hugo award winning level. We have Bridget of Hestia. Is that how you say Hestia? I think Hest- so. Hestia? Yeah. Hestia? Hestia. Hestia. Uh, so thank you, Bridget of Hestia, for supporting us at the $5 and up level. You get access to all of our bonus content, including all of the backlog. So make sure you you go back. I think just for everybody who's a patron, if you're trying to find the bonus content, I, I, I'm i to I'm pretty diligent about this, and I think I have. But if you search the tag like bonus or bonus content, mm-hmm. I believe you should find all of them. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I can't guarantee that I got the, that tag on everything, but I believe bonus content is on like 95% of them, if not all of them. Um, also podcast. If you just search podcast, it gives you every single episode. So that's probably not super helpful, but if you do that, it will at least exclude like text posts and stuff. Mm-hmm. You'll just get like the audio podcast. So anyways, I know Patreon uh, is not the world's best <laughs> um, app in terms of like navigating and uh, listening to content, but it's what we have. So anyways, at the $15 Academy Award winning level, we have one new patron this week, and that is Matilda. I'm assuming that's how that's pronounced. It looks that's, like Matilda. That's an E at the end. It's an N E at the end, but I'm assuming it's French, and I believe sometimes that E at the end, assuming they didn't put the accent mark, would be an uh sound. Fair I think. enough. Fair enough. Like Matilda. I, I could be wrong about that. It might just be Matilde. I don't know. Let us know. But let us know. Uh, it's matilda 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 matilde i don't know i'm gonna go with matilda but uh either way let us know and thank you for supporting us at the 15 dollars award-winning level i believe they have already sent us a message with some requests so that should yes, be fun i need to reply to that yes all right let's do what we always do and thank all of our academy award-winning patrons including our newest one starting off with matilda steve from arizona paul Kat Ensminger, Ben Wilcox, Jeff Niederhofer, Teresa Schwartz, Ian from Wine Country, Just Another Patron, Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Youngs, Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says It Calls from the Veil is out now, That Darn Skag, V Frank, I Also Find Tom Hardy Interesting, and Alina Starkov. Thank you all so very much for supporting us. The $15 a month level, you're all truly the best all right katie let's see what the people had to say about 50 shades darker yeah well you know that's just like uh your opinion man right we have quite a bit of feedback i think not quite as much as we had for installment one yeah potentially still still a good bit of of commentary doesn't surprise me because this strikes me as one of those series that a lot of people would yeah, peter out. Peter out on just in terms <laughs> of like, you know, which happens with most series in general. Right. But especially with something like this, where just sort of the the buzz and the intrigue yeah, the around first, the first the one. The first one was a novelty. Yeah, you're just like, well, I got to see it just to see, you know. And then once you keep going, fewer and fewer people are going to have seen slash read, I yep. think, uh, these, these sequels. But, you know, it is what it is. We still got quite a bit of yes. feedback. Though. And of course, you're always welcome to weigh in, even if you haven't. Yes. If you just listen to the episode and yes. have something to say. Uh, I like I'm, I will get to it in a second, but I like I like Shelby's <laughs> approach to these for uh, <laughs> a book and movie series. She's not interested in uh, partaking in, uh, but we'll get to that. All right. So on Patreon, we had four votes for the movie, zero for the book. And five listeners who are conscientious objectors. Yes. I made that one of the options on Patreon. I was going to do that on Twitter, too, but it wouldn't fit in the mm. in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Osborne said, thank you so much for leaping on this grenade so I don't have to watch the, the book or read the movie uh, to find out how awful this is in detail. Yeah, well, there you go. You, you, you consume slightly more. Well, not if you did both. 
if you're reading and watching, just listening to the podcast is a shorter time commitment. Yes. If you're just watching or just re- well, no, if you're just reading, if you're just if you're just watching, it's a shorter time commitment. If you're a real fast reader, you might be able to get it in and under four, but that's a you'd have to be booking. You would, uh, well, you would you have to be a much faster reader than I. I'll you say you would that. have to not only book it, you would have to have the the mental stamina to, to do the entire to thing. sit and read the entire thing in under four hours, yeah. which I don't know if that person exists. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, Tracy Drews said, I didn't like either, but I have a couple comments. One, in the book, I couldn't get over the part where they told each other they loved each other. And then on the next page talked about how they were having a date where they asked about their favorite movies, books, etc. How is this coming up after they love each other? Their relationship is only seven weeks as stated in the book is what drove me crazy. If you really think about it. Yes. Oh, that drove us crazy. Yeah, we, too. we discussed that at length, obviously, in the episode and uh, in and we did mention the fact that, you know, I, I think I said, you know, halfway through the second book, it's mentioned they're having a conversation about things they like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, relationships can happen a lot of different ways. Oh, yes, for sure. But, you know, without getting to really know each other first, I would say you're probably heading into dangerous territory. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's it's Yeah. Knowing literally nothing about each other other than we like to have sex, which there's nothing wrong with that as a relationship. But then for that to be the the like we love each other. At some point, you're going to have to learn other things about each other. If you want if you want to have like an actual relationship. Yeah. If yeah. you just want to keep fucking for go go for it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tracy's other comment was as someone who makes Spanish omelets, I am on team add onions. Interesting. There you go. So um, pissing off half of Spain. Apparently. Yeah, I do wonder what the (laughs) breakdown percentage wise, you know, like the polling data is on Spanish omelets with or without onions in Spain. Because I I imagine it's probably not 50 50. It's probably probably not. Yeah. Like one uh, handful of regions add onions and like most don't or vice versa or something like that would be my guess. But I don't know. Steve from Arizona said, I will never read the book or subject myself to the movies, but the idea of Gollum, George Takai, and Emperor Palpatine doing the voices would be worth a listen. I agree. I mean, yes. I would I would pay actual money to have that happen. It'd be incredible. Lost Remote Control said, the movie is just better, but that bar is still lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. As someone whose favorite flavor of ice cream is vanilla, I have feelings. It's an exotic <laughs> tropical flower flavor, and how it got associated with bland is beyond me. You know what? I think it's the color. It is the color, I think. and Because for sure, because you're not wrong. Yeah, I love vanilla, especially like a good a, like vanilla bean. Very good yum. vanilla ice cream is very tasty. I still don't. I, I still agree. I still think that in my head, I see it, even though I know, you know, yeah, it is like an exotic plant that mm-hmm. is. Um, and especially back in the day, it was particularly expensive and like blah, blah, blah. It's not like yeah. a stand, you know. But um, I think, yeah, I think you're right that the color yeah. plays a big role in that. I mean, even now, like getting actual vanilla beans oh, is yeah. pretty expensive. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's still an expensive. Yeah, we just get imitation yeah. you know, or, or extract or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Lost Remote Control went on to say, that being said, now can we get you guys help for self-harm by having to cover this? we're okay we're, we're we're all right we're all right i i, I, I i'm used to this so <laughs> that's true you are <laughs> like, it's not a problem for me um, this didn't make me nearly as mad as some some <laughs> some things i've consumed for good better bad bad so the books are up there for me i mean oh they're, yes they're they're up there they're high i'm not saying i'm just saying there are other things i don't think this is actively as harmful as some of the things we have watched on good bad yeah. or bad bad so well yeah, and i think the thing to me is that i am much more used to being able to dip when i'm not enjoying a right. book as much as i am not enjoying these ones yeah and see and that's the thing with good bad or bad bad no matter what i, I gotta watch it yeah. through generally speaking and our last comment on Patreon was from one of our newest patrons, oh, Bridget yes. of Hestia, who said, I'm voting for the movie, but only as the lesser of two bads, no. a, a common theme uh, yep. <laughs> throughout this feedback. As a trans woman, I remember what life was like pre-transition, and it was just shades of gray. Could I have kept going like that if I'd had to? Probably. Did I enjoy it? Nope. Nope. 
I saw this movie when it came out and remember more about the tittering teenagers on one side and the tisking old farts on the other than I did about this entire movie. How did, why were either of them there? I, that's a weird, good question. (laughs) Anyways, but it's still better than the hate fucking I got from the book. I was clearly consenting, but all I was getting from it was self-loathing and a deep-seated desire to sit at the bottom of the shower and wonder why I was doing this to myself. Oh, and to add a little optimism, I like to think that when E.L. James asked her husband to edit these books down for the movies, she was being a loving wife and indulging his humiliation (laughs) fetish. That's, yeah, or his masochism. Either way, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, that's, (laughs) I think it's the only thing that makes sense, or or the only way that it would be healthy. But yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) it's rough. Uh, as a rough one. Over on Facebook, we got three votes for the movie and zero for the book. Andy said, between the book, film, and four-hour pod, there is so much that could be said, but my overall thoughts lined up exactly with your conclusions at the end. Alone, the films are average, soapy material elevated by a higher budget and production level, and they are shallow and incurious about the themes they introduce. But when coupled with the source material, they feel miraculous. I would extend Brian's point about every writer working on it being better than E.L. James. Just to clarify, every writer in the world <laughs> not working specifically on this movie. I mean, yeah, that too, but also, but also every, every writer every ever. Writer ever <laughs> yes. Everywhere. Every person in every role in the films is a better storyteller than E.L. James. The director placing the camera, the actors rendering the characters and dialogue, the lighting, costumes, score and music, properties, every creative position. It goes beyond accepting a film's relative merits by comparison. I felt a sense of relief and emotional bonding with the films when watched after reading the books. Just want to interrupt. That's exactly the experience we have had (laughs) watching these movies. It's like a a little bit of like Stockholm syndrome. It almost feels like a weird. Yeah. Maybe. Is that maybe the right term? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Basically something along those lines. Emotionally bonding with your captor. Yeah. (laughs) Um. It was internalized and any thought of the film's actual artistic value drifted away into into irrelevancy. Mm -hmm. I would try and coin a name for this, like the Fifty Shades effect, but I can't think of any other examples that it could be applied to. I will say I can't either. This is it's kind of what we've said in the episodes. It feels unique. These are kind of singular, at least so far in our experience in terms of how transformative they are. Yeah. (laughs) To a truly terrible piece of literature. Um, Andy went on to say, non-spoiler side note, excluding the predictions section of the pod, no comment on those, somewhere in the preceding three and a half hours during an aside, Brian accurately predicted and laid out the premise on which the entire third film hangs. When he said it, I laughed uncontrollably from the bottom of a deep well of sadness. I read this comment when... Andy posted it the other day, and since then I've been trying. I haven't gone back and listened yeah. to the episode, but I've been trying in my but head. I've been racking my to brain think what I something I could have said that that would have made. And I I still don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I have no idea. I get. I'm hoping I will realize when we read the third one. Yeah. Like I'll be like, oh, I remember when I said something, but I truly, no matter what, I I, I keep going back and I cannot figure out what it. I mean, he said it was an aside, so. <laughs> Yeah, so it's probably not something that we could even go back and look in our notes for. No, it probably was probably just a, like an offhand comment or, yeah. or or something, or just kind of riffing or whatever. But we, I hopefully I'll, we'll be able to play. I mean, he'll be able to tell us eventually. Andy, if in the once we get to the Fifty Shades Freed episode, when you listen to that, if we don't talk about that, I'm going to need you to be like it was when you said this at some point after that episode comes out. Your mission, should you choose to accept yeah. it. But I, I have a feel like that. I have a feeling that once we read that, I'll be like, oh, I remember when I said something about yeah. whatever is happening here. At least I think I will. <laughs> but maybe not. It was a four hour episode. And it's probably something really off the wall that E.L. James is going to somehow make really boring. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's something more along the lines of like when I said something like they just like go on vacation and have a nice time <laughs> like something like that you yeah. know what i mean because i there was i know i had one aside about like them going to the, the aspen or whatever well they just, better go to aspen right. it was set up in the second book right but and then the only other side i can think of but i thought i said this during the 
Maybe I didn't, but I, at one point I said like Jack trying to just shoot because you were like, what could Jack even do to him? And I was like, yeah. I don't know, just sit outside just his like, office and try, try to, to shoot, shoot him. him. But that there's no way the whole book could be that. But then I, as soon as I said that in my yes. brain and then I was like, but of but course it could because it it's it could. Yes, <laughs> it could just be like 20 yeah. chapters. Or the other thing that I said after we finished recording the episode, I think it was like a day or two later. I was like, now that Anna and Christian have miraculously solved all their relationship problems and Christian is magically all better now, there better be some goddamn kink. Oh, in yeah. this third book. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to riot. Yeah. Yeah. The, honestly, the extent <laughs> that we have gotten is like tied hands. Yeah. That is like it. And like I, the spreader bar the was spreader the bar and like thing. blindfold the music from the first like that scene, I guess. And the, but even even that is not. Yeah. Really has been very little. Yeah. It's mostly just normal sex. Yes. <laughs> uh, Crystal said, I feel like the movies can almost trick somebody into reading the books. Like, you know, the movies are not good, but usually the book is better with more detail and plot. So maybe it'll be interesting. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think of that. I know. It's so awful. That is an interesting. (laughs) That is going that actually that is wild thinking of it that way. Going back the opposite direction because you watch the movies without if you haven't read the book, you'd be like, oh, it's kind of eh, whatever. Like I could it's like okay, but like yeah. maybe the books like really get into it and like really flesh out these characters. And it's like, oh no, I hadn't even thought of that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, Crystal went on to say, painfully mediocre is the highest praise I can give the books. Also, watching Jamie Dornan using a spreader on Dakota Johnson while attempting to sexually flip her like a flapjack sends me into hysterics. Movie wins. I, I, I mean, th- I, when I read that scene in the book, I was like, there's no way you can't make this hilarious in the movie. I just don't know how you do it. And then I think the movie did as good as you could, yeah. making it both funny but also kind of yeah. sexy. Like, it's, yeah, it's about as good as could have been done. Uh, over on Twitter, we had five votes for the movie, zero for the book, and three who couldn't decide. Kelly Napier said, sigh, fine, <laughs> the movie. But saying I want to get stabbed in the arm instead of getting stabbed in the eye doesn't mean I want to get stabbed in the arm. It's just slightly preferable to the alternative. Anna, girl, you can't fix him. As the saying goes, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. You will not be the person ever to change someone just because you want to change them. Also, asparagus is never sexy because asparagus makes you fart. Hashtag what the hell, Erica. I don't know if that's my experience with asparagus. Asparagus for me. Asparagus makes your pee smell funny. Yes, that that's a thing that I yeah, it makes your pee smell strange. But I've never I don't think it makes me gassy. I feel like that's a a person to person thing. (laughs) Maybe that's where the loudly and wetly (laughs) comes in. Uh, it was the asparagus all along because there are different foods that just affect people differently and maybe some i mean they are it is fibrous so i could mm-hmm, see it but i've mm-hmm. never been a thing because we make asparagus pretty often or at least used to we haven't made yeah. it recently but and I, it's never been a thing where i'm like oh asparagus made me get like i don't know but anyways mm. fair enough but i agree it's not sex it's not, <laughs> not a sexy a vegetable sexy food no uh shelby suderman said I read the first chapter and watched the first 10 minutes for comparison again. Again, this is what I was saying earlier. If you're going to skip out, this is a great way to do it. Also, you don't have to do this. I'm just saying. I think it's a fun way (laughs) to get a little bit of a taste. Um, Once more, this movie's best friend is having just read the book. Is Kate supposed to be not Rosalie, seeing as she's blonde, beautiful, perfect, confident, and fashionable? Because basically all style and all porcelain skin. Interesting. Because I would have been interested in a story where she's Bella's bestie who always calls Edward on his BS. Um, and Shelby is right. Um, Rosalie is, or uh, Kate is like the, the is Rosalie stand in character. Interesting. Because yeah. they have very different dynamics. Yes, for sure. Like that's a very, of all the characters, that's maybe the most different. And and a lot of them are different in a lot of ways, but that that one doesn't strike me as. I mean, I I, I can see it, like mm-hmm. I can see it, but also it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, interesting. I've, I've been on the masters of the master of the universe wiki, 
and I know what oh. all I know what all of the the, the correlating characters are. Fantastic. On Instagram, we had four votes for the movie and our only two for the book. We we you you found you tapped a vein on Instagram, which oh happens God. every now and then when we especially during the summer series. Yeah. You will find and it only happens on Instagram for whatever reason. It's the way their algorithm works. Yeah, the work. way that algorithm works because it's image based, I guess, yeah. like the images you put. But like you will every now and then some of our posts will get picked up and circulated within the fandoms of things recovering. Yeah, and it's always interesting I, yeah. to me. One of our posts, there were a couple of them that got quite a bit of like likes and attention, but there was one in particular that got like pushed to the top of a page yeah. somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was just one. It was like a like, hey, have you listened to our podcast or something? Wasn't it or one of those or? Yeah. It, was it wasn't even like, like a. It was just like something generic like accompanied a generic, by like, a screen cap yeah, from the from movie. The movie. And but it, the people were eating it up. Yeah. Got like 800 <laughs> likes or whatever. Like, <laughs> it, got, it got thrown out there to quite a few people. Yeah. And well, and it's actually. It's a good example of why I don't even really particularly want to grow a larger social media audience than what we already have. Well, you don't want to grow it beyond. I, I could see Twitter maybe, but I, in general, yeah. I think it's not. You just want your your social media audience to grow with your podcast audience. Right. You want. Yeah. The, you, because, well, and yeah. that, that's the thing, because I've gone in and I've looked at the analytics and stuff for those posts, and it doesn't really result in anything for no. us. No. Like out, out of all that, I had to mute notifications on my phone on Instagram twice. Yeah. Because there were so much coming in. Yeah. Especially those where it's just like a random image blows up yeah. because it just gets... Throw, but yeah. w what we got out of it was two followers and one website click. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. it doesn't really mean much. <laughs> yeah, um, it for doesn't that. really. That's mean what anything. I mean. You don't really. Yeah, you you don't want to grow your social media engagement with your platform um, or with with the podcast. Yeah, and not like vice versa. Uh, but we did get a couple of comments on Instagram. Um, and so, anyways, all of that was in sorry, just yeah. it, all that was in reference to say I have a feeling, and I don't know, I don't, I don't want to put words in people's mouth that our two votes for the book most likely came from one people. Of, one of them was Tim Wahoo again. Okay, so one of them was a troll, <laughs> and then the other one was, and I'm not saying you're for sure a troll, Tim Wahoo, but you seem like a little bit like in in good in good fun maybe trolling. That's fine. Um, you're not being an obnoxious troll. I'll say that at least. Uh, the uh, but potentially the other one was maybe somebody who's not a listener of the podcast, but yeah, just saw this post and was like, "We, we, we have definitely a have them. a comment from somebody who's not a listener yeah. of the podcast yeah. for sure." Uh, so uh, Anal Fracter underscore forty two. I'm pretty sure that person's name is Anal Fracture. I'm gonna err <laughs> on the side of caution. <laughs> Or, or Anna L. Fractor. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they said, uh, improved on the story in every way. Um, they had voted for the movie and yes. replied to the, the story. Um, Dakota Johnson is a fantastic actress, and it does show in this film. Not as good as the first one, though. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corinne Neva said... Just based on the excerpts of the books, I've heard these movies could be total train wrecks and still be better than the books. Unless Neil Breen directed, although I think that would be more entertaining, if not better. And yes, uh, Kim Basinger was awful. Has she ever actually been good? I don't actually know. I don't. I've yeah, I don't think her. I've ever seen her in anything aside from this movie. I, I mean, I've seen her. She's in Batman. She plays like the mayor of the wife. I can't know. She plays Vicky Vale, I think, in, uh, in the in the ninth in, the, in one of the Tim Burton yeah, Batman's. The, yeah. Um and, and I mean I haven't seen that in years. And and it's yeah. also that's also a very arch film. Like Yeah. It's very stylized and stuff, so it's hard to tell like how performance wise. I I I I just don't remember. But I think that's the only other thing I've ever seen her in. Hmm. Um but she was, yeah, I thought truly terrible. And I yeah. did I, I don't know if I mentioned it in the prequel uh or at any point, but a this movie was nominated for a bunch of Razzies again, which mm. once again shows the Razzies are nonsense. Um, they really are. like it's the more and more you see the stuff that gets nominated and the people that get nominated for Razzies, the more I'm like, you guys are just chasing like clicks. Like does, yeah. none of this means anything, um, which is true of kind of of all award shows, but at least I don't know, whatever. Anyways, I think the Razzies are bullshit, but uh, <laughs> let me then justify. Let me then like qualify that a little bit. Uh, Jamie Dornan. Dakota Johnson and Kim Basinger all got nominated for Razzies for worst performances. 
and Kim Basinger won. So oh. there you go. <laughs> I'll just say that again. I don't put much stock in the Razzies, but I thought she was by far. I I thought she was actively bad, and I didn't think anybody else was bad in the movie. So, uh, but a song pod said. The movie sure did polish the piles of turds that were the books. I would agree with yes, that. Yes, they did. Absolutely. Um, and then Mrs. A. Bentz mm-hmm. said, I loved the books, exclamation mark. I loved the movies, exclamation mark. I thought Jamie and Dakota were amazing, exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. They held true to the books what they could. The book is always different. The movie brought it to life, exclamation You know what? Mark. I only disagree with like two sentences <laughs> in that <laughs> like after i loved the books i loved in the movies i agree with the rest of it <laughs> i enjoyed the movies don't love them but no. uh and uh, yeah so yeah i think this might be a person who you know I, who yeah, knows like, maybe they are a fan maybe they do listen and if so kudos like right I, on. I was like this close to commenting and being like could you tell us what you like about the books yeah but I wasn't like 100% sure I wanted to. Nah, I don't think we need to start that. It just, <laughs> like I said, this struck me as probably somebody who's not a listener. Yeah, who's not a listener. Saw and the just post saw and was the like, oh, and let me comment. Yeah. Which is fine. And we, you know what, go for it. That's, yeah. I actually don't mind getting feedback no. like that. That's actually kind of fun and interesting. Um, but yeah. And uh, somebody saying that they liked the books is certainly unique to this particular series. Yes. So Absolutely. I actually have one more Instagram comment that I want to read. I didn't put it down here. Oh, okay. But since we talked about Tim Wahoo, he left a comment on, uh, I'm assuming Tim. I, was, I assumed Tim's pronouns. Uh, they. Oh. I don't know. Uh, they left a comment on a different post and said, this book put a chicken in my fridge. Which, Tim, that that was funnier than any of the comments that you left about Brian <laughs> liking the books and movies. Continue in that vein. It's true. Just go peek, just lean into the abstract non-humor that's just like, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Uh, absurd? No, not even absurd. But, um, it's, it's, it's a logical fallacy when it doesn't have anything to do with Oh, a non sequitur? A non sequitur. Lean into the non sequitur humor. That's <laughs> former English teacher paying off. Yeah. Uh, those, so those were all the comments. I was, tra- I, th- I was trying to think that might be a reference to. Oh, oh, no, that oh a- yeah, that's a reference to the book. We yeah, were okay. About no, so it's not non sequitur. leaned in and was like, put the chicken put in the, the fridge. Put the chicken in the fridge. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, it's at least revel- relevant. Yeah. Well done. Good job, Tim. <laughs> Good job, Tim. All right. What, what was the breakdown? Uh, unsurprisingly, if you've been paying attention, the winner in the listener polls was the movie mm-hmm. with 16 votes to the books two, along with seven people who did not want to choose. That's fair. That is fair. All right. It's time now to learn a little bit about the body swap trope. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. All right, we have a short little informative segment here. Uh, A body swap, um, sometimes called a mind swap or brain swap or soul swap, according to the Internet, although I don't think I've ever heard that one particularly. No, Um, I have literally think I've only heard body or mind swap. Body swap, mind swap, whatever. Maybe brain swap, but I think mind usually more than brain. Because brain usually would think like the physical object versus mind being like the the sort of... The consciousness. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But this is a storytelling device uh, seen in a variety of genres, but especially prevalent in science fiction and supernatural fiction, um, in which two people or beings... It's not always necessarily two people True. Yeah. Um, exchange minds and end up in each other's bodies, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the switches can be caused by magical items like amulets or wishes or just like a strange, weird thing that happens. Uh, those switches typically then reverse after the subjects have expanded their worldviews, uh, gained a new appreciation for each other's troubles by literally walking in one another's shoes. This type of body swap story is likely to be accompanied by farce and hijinks, um, more of a comedic take mm-hmm. on it, usually. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, switches can also be accomplished by technology, uh, often of the mad science variety. Body swapping devices that you might see are usually characterized by um, being highly experimental. They have like straps and helmets with cables that right. run to a central system. Like imagine if you've seen Back to the Future when in the scene where uh, I think it's the first scene where, where Marty goes and sees mm-hmm. the doc and he comes to the door and he's got like the big. Yeah, like the big helmet brain thing, helmet yeah. thing on. Yeah. Um, they're also characterized by a tendency to malfunction before their effect can be reversed. Mm. Um, this type of body swap in this particular genre is more like can be humorous, but more likely than the other type to um, have overtones of horror and or eroticism. Interesting. Depending on the type of story. I mean, yeah, depending on the type um, of story there's you're reading. Lots of different places that you can take this trope. There's definitely a subgenre of pornography that <laughs> yes. exists within this universe. The popularity of the body swap as we know it seems to coincide with the rise of popular science fiction in the 1950s, although there are older examples in literature, including uh, the oldest one that I could find, um, which is Mary Shelley's 1830 short story, Transformation, which is about a young man who changes places with a strange misshapen creature and ends up having to kill himself to get his body back. Hmm. Sounds very Mary Shelley, I will say. I've never read it, but feels in her oeuvre. Uh, In film... The trope uh, saw many iterations during the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, um, including 1989's Dream a Little Dream, 1996's Wish Upon a Star, and 2002's The Hot Chick. Uh, The trope is also popular in television, particularly in shows aimed towards kids. Uh, This is where I was going to add another, um, not even genre, specific uh, license that deals with body swap or similar type of things every now and again is like star trek mm-hmm. because specifically the transporter yeah because of the way it works and stuff there i know there it, throughout the different iterations there have been episodes that involve people swapping consciousness or some consciousness is combining or whatever that kind of thing uh, the body swap has been steadily popular for the last half of the last century and the first little bit of this one um, and may tell us something about ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Um, author Megan Scholl, um, she wrote a book called The Swap, which I believe was then adapted for Disney Channel. I didn't write that down, um, but it was adapted for TV, I'm pretty sure. Um, she noted, quote, we know a shift in perspective is what gives us insight into our own feelings and strengthens our ability to help ourselves and others. Tucked into the hilarity of the premise is the capacity to see the world outside ourselves, widening our window for empathy. Interesting. Which is something we'll be talking about with this upcoming episode. Absolutely. One of the other things that I think is interesting about this body swap trope, shall we say, um, subgenre of whatever piece of fiction. Yeah, I kind of struggled with whether to call it a trope or a genre. I mean, it's it's a it's a trope, and but it's also like a subgenre kind yeah. of a thing. Um, I know a thing that I've seen, and I'd be interested to get a take from other people or from people who have maybe have this experience um, that I've seen people talk about on Twitter and on YouTube and videos and stuff, uh, particularly within the trans community, mm-hmm. is that often or not, maybe not often, but occasionally body swap stories have been a thing that trans people have identified with before they real, like before they even realized that they were trans or whatever, uh, which I think is kind of an interesting, another different angle to it. Um, I I don't remember who it was, but some YouTuber or something I I remember watching did a a video or or something about, um, I think specifically the, and it might've been Jesse gender. I can't remember who it was. Did a video about, um, there's a scene in I think the first live action or the second live action Scooby Doo movie where they all oh. like swap around into each other. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen those. I, yeah, I, I can't remember one of those, and, and and that being like a formative, yeah, like moment in them realizing yeah. and like, yeah, kind of coming to terms with their maybe coming to terms in the right word, but kind of like understanding their mm-hmm. own identity and stuff like that, which I thought was really interesting. So it's a, definitely a genre that. um you can do a lot with for, for sure. sure. Yeah. All right. We're going to learn now a little bit about Freaky Friday, the book. Anna, honey, wake up. Oh, <laughs> I have had it. 
I'm ready. For the Coleman family. Bye, honey. Make good choices. Mondays are manic. I can't believe it. It's Jake. He's not look. He's totally looking. Wednesdays are wild. And for Anna and Tess, there's never enough time to really understand each other. What? Time's up. It's after six. Ugh. You're ruining my life. But on Friday... You think my life is perfect? You couldn't last one day in my high school. Okay. That's all about to change. Because things are going to get a little freaky. Why am I in Anna's room? This isn't mine. Those aren't mine. That's definitely not mine. I have an even shorter segment. Oh, yeah, it was very short. Not a lot about this book to be found. Uh, but Freaky Friday is a comedic children's novel written by American author and screenwriter Mary Rogers that was first published by Harper and Row in 1972. The book has two sequels that also follow the main characters from the from Freaky Friday, uh, A Billion for Boris in 1974 and Summer Switch in 1982. It also had a thematic sequel written by Rogers and American novelist Heather Hatch titled Freaky Monday, which was published in 2009. More on Heather Hatch later in your segment. Really? Yes. I don't remember that name, but I'll, I believe you. Let's <laughs> moving on, I guess. <laughs> Aside from the 2003 film that we'll be discussing, the novel was also adapted as films in 1976, 1995, and 2018, and was reinterpreted as the horror film Freaky in 2020. Huh. It's also been adapted as a stage mu musical, which was the basis for the 2018 film. Really? Yes. The 2018 one's the one with... Um... Isn't that the one with uh, it's Tom Lennon and uh, 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 Zach Efron? I'm I, maybe there's a there is a film with Tom Tom Lennon uh, dang uh, the the guy who wrote uh, Nightmare Night at the Museum and you're Dangle not, from Reno Nine One One. You're not thinking of Seventeen again, are you? Oh, maybe that's it. Because that's not a body swap. Is that's an not? age regression. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Hold Which on. is kind of similar to a body swap, but I not really the I, same. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Never mind. I thought, okay. I never saw it. I just remember yeah. seeing like trailers. And I think for some reason in my head, I got mixed around that that was a body swap, but never mind. <laughs> They're kind of in a similar like oeuvre. Yeah, like. yeah. It's a similar idea, kind yeah. of for sure. But yeah, that's not okay. My bad. Never mind. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's learn now a little bit about Freaky Friday, the movie. So you're in my body and I'm in your body. I'm old. I beg your pardon. Oh, I'm like the Crypt Keeper! Honey! Could you, like, chill for a sec? Freak out! I want my body back! My wedding's tomorrow! I can't marry Ryan! Ew! Platinum cool. Don't even think about it. Jamie Lee Curtis. This thong is killing me. <sighs> Lindsay Lohan. It's a great bike. What? Not like I've ever been on it. I'm not allowed. Walt Disney Pictures presents a movie about what it takes. I can't do this. What do you mean? To make someone else's dream do something come true. When what you see is what you lack, then selfless love will change your back. Freaky Friday is a 2003 film directed by Mark Waters, who also directed Mean Girls, The Spiderwick Chronicles, Mr. Popper's Penguins, and Vampire Academy, written by Heather Hatch. I did not remember that was her name, <laughs> uh, who also wrote uh, the book for Legally Blonde, the musical, uh, and then also wrote the film What to Expect When You're Expecting, and co-written by Leslie Dixon, who wrote Overboard, the original one back in the 70s or 80s or whatever, Mrs. Doubtfire, Pay It Forward, Hairspray, and Limitless. Hmm. So kind of a, an interesting collection of films that she has worked on uh, and one that we've done before yes. with Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. The film stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Lindsay Lohan, Harold Gould, Chad Michael Murray, Mark Harmon, Stephen Tobolowski, Ryan Malgarini, Christina Vidal, Haley Hudson, Rosalind Chow. I think it's Rosalind. I might have written that down wrong. I'm not sure. 
Lucille Soong, Julie Gonzalo, Willie Garson, Dina Waters, and Caden Boyd. The film has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 70 on Metacritic, and a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. So that's kind of interesting. Actually, pretty solid reviews. Yeah. Which we'll get to some reviews later, but uh, and relatively low IMDb score, which that's probably sexism, but we'll we'll see. Who knows? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just everybody hated Lindsay Lohan for a long time, yes. or when I say everybody, yeah. I mean like dudes she, hated she Lindsay. She was Lohan the internet's favorite punching bag for, for like a while. A period there. of time, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the film was nominated for a handful of Saturn Awards, which are I didn't realize that's what they're called. I've mentioned this before, but the uh, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Film Awards mm-hmm. they're called Saturn Awards. I just noticed that for the first time, uh, but it was nominated for like four or five of those, and one other award, other awards, but one other specific award that I'll mention here in a little bit. The film made $160.8 million against a budget of $26 million, so a gigantic smashing success. So, getting into some uh, production notes here. Apparently, Lindsay Lohan's character was originally written as goth, but Lohan didn't think people could relate to that. So, she came to the audition dressed preppy, but then ultimately the character was rewritten as a grunge alt-rock teen. So, they kind mm-hmm. of tried to find like a middle ground, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Which I thought, uh, how dare Lindsay Lohan rob us of goth Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> um, yeah. Um... <laughs> a lot of thoughts on her character in this. <laughs> we'll get to it in the episode you don't have to spoil anything yet so uh casting notes i have so many interesting casting notes about this movie michelle trachtenberg was one at one point cast as anna who's the main character Lindsay lohan's character but had to back out due to obligations for buffy the vampire slayer and this actually made the second time the second film where she had to turn down the lead role and that role later went to Lindsay lohan the first was the parent trap. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, the parent trap is often credited with launching Lindsay Lohan's oh, yeah. acting yeah, career. Yeah, that was like the, her big breakout yeah. thing. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, she owes a lot to Michelle Trachtenberg having to do <laughs> other stuff or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder what it was that why she didn't do the parent trap. I didn't find yeah, information on that. I don't know if she was in something else or, or just yeah. turned it down or what. Michelle but. Trachtenberg went to do Buffy where everyone hated her. I, I don't mind. She's in a rough season. And it's not, yeah. even, it's not even a bad. It's good season. It's, just, it's, just a, it's depressing. But I thought she's fine. She's like, I fine. have no problem with her in the but show. But it is, like, it is yes. true that she's yes, she often is not, cited as a, a much hated character she in is a, fiction. Yeah, she is not uh, well regarded amongst many of the fans of Buffy. So uh, initially, one of the producers on the film had hoped that Jodie Foster, who had played Annabelle in the original 1976 film version, would return to play the mother in this version. But Jodie Foster declined, saying that she was worried that that kind of stunt casting would detract from the other elements of the film. Mm. Also, I think she probably just didn't want to do it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> she probably just didn't want to do it and came up with an excuse like, I wouldn't <laughs> want to. Well, that's a little bit of stunt casting. I wouldn't want to pull away from the, you know, it was like, whatever. Um, so then after Jodie Foster turned it down, Annette Benning was cast, but dropped out apparently four days before filming began. And Jamie Lee Curtis got the role literally last minute. Um, But I found two different date numbers for how far before filming Jamie Lee Curtis got the role. One said four, one said six. So less than a week. Yeah. Apparently she was cast. um, Sounds stressful. Yeah. And had to uh, show up and be in the movie. Um, So another character in the film, Maddie, I don't know who that is. Maybe a friend, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was originally cast uh, to be played by Kelly Osborne, hmm. uh, but that role would eventually be filled by Christina Vidal because Osborne dropped out when her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, yeah, well, she's fine. I mean, she—it's uh, yeah. Sharon Osborne. She's still alive. Like, I mean, yeah, she but recovered. But that's yes. still terrible. Right? It though. is still yes. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. I mean, I just meant like she didn't die. At, you know, she's doing okay. I think. But yeah. And then uh, the last little note here that I thought was kind of fun, or not last note, but the last um, kind of casting note. Uh, Mark McClure, the actor who played Annabelle's love interest in the 1976 film, and who also played Jimmy Olsen in the Superman films from the 70s, uh, has a brief cameo in this film as Boris the Delivery Man. Mm. 
So when you see Boris the Delivery Man, that is uh, the guy who played the love interest in the original film. So uh, a couple more notes about production before we get to review, or actually one more note before we get to reviews here. Both Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan trained in order to perform the guitar playing scenes at the concert scene at some point in the film. I don't know if it's at the end. I don't know. I've never seen this, so I don't know where it is. Jamie Lee Curtis got private coaching from Ryan Chuck, who's a member of the band Orgy. (laughs) And Lindsay Lohan had purportedly trained for up to a year to learn to play guitar before production. Ultimately, both Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan's playing was overdubbed by professional musicians, which that note, I, this is an IMDb note, um, or no, this is on Wikipedia, which that was always going to be the case. Like, yeah, obviously. Obviously, that was going to be the case, and the training was just to make them look more convincing yeah. at playing the guitar, yeah. and that note on Wikipedia felt really judgy and weird to me when it's like, <laughs> uh, ultimately both of their performances were replaced by professionals. It's like, well, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, they learned yeah. so that they wouldn't look like complete idiots. Like yeah. pretending to play guitar. You have to know a little bit about yeah. how to play the guitar to convincingly pretend <laughs> yeah. to play the guitar. Yeah. All right. Getting into the reviews. Uh, we've got some interesting stuff here. As I mentioned earlier, critics generally praised the film, uh, especially Jamie Lee Curtis's performance. David Anson of Newsweek noted that, quote, the most startling metamorphosis is Curtis's transformation from fading whore flick queen to dazzling comedienne. She goes on a teenage tear, tormenting Anna's younger brother, who wonders why mom's acting so weird, getting down and dirty on a TV talk show where Tess is supposed to discuss her book on aging with fiercely funny conviction. And then, uh, and that's the end of that set or that quote. Um, so yeah, up until this point, Jamie Lee Curtis had primarily been known, uh, for horror and drama, like true lies, Halloween, handful of other stuff, but she wasn't doing the, the comedic turn at this time was a bit of a revelation. She hadn't been in knives out everything, everywhere, all at once, new girl, all this kind of stuff. We've seen her in these days and know she's very talented comedically. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Lisa Schwartzbaum uh, from Entertainment Weekly also uh, praised her performance, calling it glorious. A.O. Scott from the New York Times said, quote, she does some of her best work ever in Freaky Friday. Uh, Reviewer Nick Davis described her as, quote, so frisky and pouty and incandescent. She made the whole movie feel like something special. And and this is the award I was mentioning earlier. She was actually uh, nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy for this role, Hmm. which I was unaware of. And then getting to Roger Ebert, I couldn't find a full review, but um, I have a little section here. Uh, He praised Lindsay Lohan's Lohan's performance uh, and gave the film three out of four stars, describing Lohan as possessing, quote, that Jodie Foster's sort of seriousness and intent focus beneath her teenage persona. However, getting into some criticism of the film, the transformation scene was widely criticized by multiple people. While Ebert noted that Asian-American actors were cast in the film simply to, quote, supply magic potions, exotic elixirs, ancient charms, and handy supernatural plot points, Nick Shager of Slant Magazine called it, quote, a strange bit of oriental mysticism stereotyping that seems at odds with the film's thematic focus on tolerance and understanding, end quote. And then from The Village Voice, Ed Park summarizes the premise as, quote, some strange racist bullshit, end quote. Yeah. It's definitely an element of the film that has not aged well, to say the least. Yeah, and probably wasn't, clearly didn't age, not even didn't age well. I am glad to hear that people were criticizing it at the time, people were, and even like like Ebert was criticizing it, which, you know, not exactly like um, known for his like woke criticism necessarily. Yeah, well, and then I have to agree with the person who thought it was, um, that, that it seems at odds with the rest of the film yeah. because I, I and I think you'll agree with me when oh, we watch I it. I saw one of the characters' names and I was like, yeah. "Woof!" <laughs> that it, it does like it. It does feel very like where did this come from? Yeah. In comparison to the rest of the movie, but we'll talk more about it. Yes. In the main episode, absolutely. Just wanted to mention that. Yeah, critics at the time were. It was not uh, unremarked upon even in two thousand three or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, even though times have changed, even then they were like. Eh, seems this seems rough this is, this is not good before we wrap up we want to remind you, you can do us a giant favor again by supporting us on patreon uh patreon.com slash this film is lit and you can just follow us on all social media facebook twitter instagram goodreads all those places follow us interact we love to hear it and we love to talk about it on these prequel episodes katie where can people watch freaky friday 
Well, if you're really cool like me, you've owned it on DVD uh, since 2003. There you go. Um, or you can always check with your local library or a local video rental store if you still have one. Uh, barring that, if you've got a subscription to Disney Plus, yes. you can stream it there. Or you can rent it for around three to four bucks through Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, Vudu, Redbox, DirecTV, or AMC Theaters on Demand. Perfect. Fantastic. Um, this is my birthday episode. Yes. I'm very excited. This is a nostalgic favorite of mine. Um, was incredibly formative to me as a teenager. I'm really excited for you to watch it. It's. I think you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, ah, yes. <laughs> yes, I see. Putting pieces together. <laughs> yeah. Putting strings. No, I mean, I mean really, I, th I think you're going to connect dots. <laughs> Yarn on the chalkboard uh, <laughs> or on the bullet or pegboard connecting. Yeah, I, I'm excited to watch it because I have never seen it. Um, it came out uh, in that age range where I was like, that's a girl movie. You yeah. know, I was like 14 or whatever, 15, I guess. Definitely not in the wheelhouse of movies that I would have gone to see at that time. Um, unfortunately, you know, not saying it was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was not a well-rounded, uh, woke teenager. <laughs> I'll just say that. I was just kind of a generic, boring teenager anyways. But yeah, I am very excited to watch it and uh, for the first time and see, because I apparently it's very good. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's got good reviews uh, other than the <laughs> weird racism shit. Um, apart from that, it's supposed to be quite good and uh, it'll be a nice, fun change of pace. Yeah, fun, like something kind of light and, and fluffier yep. than, than what we've been doing. Absolutely. Come back in one week's time. We'll be talking about Freaky Friday. Until that time, but it'll be on a Wednesday. Just keep that. <laughs> Unless something happens and it gets pushed to a Thursday. But it probably won't be on a Friday. Come back in a week's time on Wednesday for Freaky Friday. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome. Awesome.